Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Regenerative by Design podcast, where we will be getting to the root of health, climate, economics, and food. I am your host, Joni Kinwall Moore. I'm an RN, an ethnobotanist, and the founder of Snacktivist Foods. Join me on this journey as we explore the ideas, stories, and personalities behind the regenerative food system movement. Food is the connection between people and planet. In a world where pandemics, climate change, and war have made us feel so disconnected and vulnerable, regenerative agriculture has become a powerful force for positive transformation and hope. Here, regenerative thought leaders share how agriculture and food design can create a more resilient system. Okay, hello, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us on the Regenerative by Design podcast. Today, we have a guest that I have been wanting to have on for so long because he's somebody who is very instrumental in helping shape the way I look at regenerative systems. We have Mr. Ray Arcoleta here joining us today. Welcome, Ray. Hi, Joni. Thank you for saying all those kind things. I'll pay you later. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You can Venmo me. (laughs) Um, No, this is fantastic because I know you are such a busy guy. You've got so many irons in the fire and for you to take time out today and join us as we talk about your work and what has shaped your experiences to make you who you are today is just is such an honor. So thank you. Thank you, Joni. Yeah, to, to get started, um, because I'm assuming a lot of our listeners might be a little familiar with your work, especially with being on Kiss the Ground, I think was a real exposure point for people who aren't really necessarily working in agriculture and food to know about what you do and and what you what an agronomist is, I think a lot of people are just starting to drink from a fire hose about learning about this bigger system that brings food to our plates. And I would love for you to just kind of kick off the day today, telling us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, why you went into the studies you did of soil science and agriculture, and what you do today. Thank you, Joni. Yeah, for me, it started when I was 15 years old. I remember working at my uncle's ranch in New Mexico. I grew up, I grew up in northern New Mexico. Our family's been there for four or five hundred years. We've been there for a long time, and I'll wow. never forget working on the ranch. I just absolutely loved working on the ranch and being outside. And I think that started my career. And then I said, you know, I told my dad, I said, Dad, you know, I think I'm going to go get a degree in agriculture. So I'll never forget. I went to a couple of years at community college, and then graduated from there in livestock science, and then did a couple of years in the Peace Corps, believe it or not, in Guatemala and Costa Rica. Wow. And there's why, yeah, I did a couple of years there. I didn't know that. Spanish. Yeah, it was great. Oh, great experiment. That's so cool. Uh, learned a lot. And then it was interesting. I uh, picked up Spanish, and and I could not speak Spanish at the house because my uh, I had a speech impediment, believe it or not, as a kid. So I had to go relearn Spanish. And back in the early 70s, you weren't allowed to speak Spanish in the school system. You were only to speak English. So then I um, so I went and graduated and then I did a couple came back from Peace Corps, picked up a wife from Missouri, and then went back to college. <laughs> Joni, I do I, Joni, I do this, I do things the hard way. So I go a Yeah, of years and, no wonder we get uh, along. So, <laughs> oh yeah. It's kind of the hard way. So I put six more years of college. It took uh, so there, and guess where I landed when I graduated? They landed, I landed up in Missouri, working with rice growers. Wow! So just to give just to give everybody a little background quickly, I 
I worked, I started my career with, NR, it used to be called Soil Conservation Service. Mm-hmm. And that was an mm-hmm. agency created because of the Dust Bowl. We were having problems with erosion. Right. And I, and I put 30 years with them. So my first track was five years in Missouri, five years in Oregon, and then mm-hmm. 10 years in, in um, North Carolina, and then wrapped my career up in Missouri. But, but it all started down that path. And so I put a lot of years in as an agronomist, soil health specialist, and that's how I started off working for the agency. Mm-hmm. And how interesting that you were able to live in such, you know, different parts of the country to actually, you know, spend time in Oregon, you know, in the Midwest, the Rocky Mountains, and also on the East Coast. I mean, not very many people are able to take that all in because you start to realize that there is no one way to do farming. Every region is so different. All the soils across the country have different characteristics. And it really has to, it really makes a person leverage a lot of creativity to, you know, look at those through the lens of a scientist, I think, and, um, you know, try to put it all together. You know, I, I think you hit a really good point here, uh, Joni. I think one of the things we miss, you're right, I, I've been in every state from Hawaii, Puerto Rico, with my, my, my position in North Carolina as a soil national soil health specialist, I got to travel in every state from Puerto Rico to Hawaii. But, but let me, I, I tell you, I think this is where the, the, the change in my life started to happen. And I think it would happen in, when I was living working in Oregon and living in Idaho because I actually crossed the Snake River. And so I lived in Idaho and Boise and you and I talked about that. But I think it's really important for the audience to uh, understand what happened to me. I think that time I was about halfway through my career and I think I was going through a state of depression because, and I was getting really down because we we weren't fixing anything. I could see that the water was still polluted after irrigation season. And I noticed that farmers were going broke. And I said, we're not fixing anything. We're spending billions and billions of dollars and we're giving money away. And we're not fixing anything. Farmers are still going broke. Um, they're, they're, the water's still getting unclean. Then I finally, I think I reach, reached a point that all of us go through these changes in our lives that we have to, I call it these butterfly effects like you and I talked about. We, there's this little tiny things in your life that happens that changed the total trajectory of your whole life. And I think Idaho was one of them. And what happened was I started realizing, oh my gosh, we're not fixing anything. And I think what changed me was in 2007, I got promoted, landed up in the in, in North Carolina. And I got to meet Ray Styers, Gabe Brown. And I also got to meet a lot of the, the Burley District in, in North Dakota. But what happened is, and also one book that really changed was Alan Savory's book, Joni. And I don't know if you read it. It's called Holistic Management. That book, those people at the right time, Joni, changed everything for me. So I think that was very critical. Yeah. And it, the so what the I line. learned. Yeah. yeah. And what happened is it taught me that we were, we taught agriculture from the wrong premise. And what I mean by mm-hmm. that, I was taught how to control nature, how to use chemicals, fertilizer, tillage, manipulate it, and genetics, um, GMOs, mm-hmm. and all that. 
we got to control nature. We got to force it. We got to yield. It's it's working against us. And I knew something was wrong with that because then finally at that time I realized, oh no, oh my goodness. It was all about the microbes and I missed the mark. We, we should have been teaching no emulate nature, love it, nurture it, work with it, synergize with it. That's what I, what changed my life from that point on. Yeah, that's fantastic. Cause you hear this story again and again, how it's rarely one, you know, foundational event. It's usually like a combination of conversations and, you know, it, actually seeing something or with your own eyes where you're like, wait, it shakes the foundation of how you look at the world and what the operating system of the world is. And, you know, our modern world has been using an operating system that is intrinsically hinged on the concept of controlling nature and that we will have a mastery of it. And unfortunately, what we're realizing, and, you know, people have known this forever, we we will never win. I mean, it's, we can exhaust our efforts and nature will always outsmart us and, and win in its just sheer power. And that's a different operating system. And I feel like this whole regenerative movement and this shift, starting with regenerative food systems and agriculture, is kind of re evaluating how we interact as humans with our system that we need to put humans back into ecosystems rather than looking at us as separate entities that are competing for turf, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. And Joni, one of the things, the reason I, the reason I use that, the concept butterfly effect, because it probably should be phrased this way. The little things matter. The little tiny yeah. things matter. And, and I picked up the concept from Edward Lorenz's book. Well, it's Edward Lorenz and really, James Glick wrote a book called Chaos. And his book, he talks about how can the can the flapping of the wings of a butterfly moving the air molecules under it, can it create a tornado in, in, in Kansas? And the answer is yes. In biological systems, they're so interconnected. Any tiny subtle change can have a total trajectory of the of the outcome. Like for example, when he uses computer model. He found out that just little nuances about parts of a thousand change in the numbers determine whether you got rain yes. or determine whether you got sun. And you remember that? And, the, and so, again, these little things, what we're talking about, does it matter the way we farm? Does it matter the way we eat? Does it matter the ingredients we put? And the answer is absolutely it is. The people you come in contact, the people meeting you. Uh, all these are, are subtle, beautiful things that can have a huge outcome. Absolutely. I love that perspective because I think being a kid who grew up um, kind of on a small farm, we weren't like a big commercial operation, but we were farming and my parents had jobs off the farm. So, you know, different model, but, you know, raised in a very conventional farming kind of mindset. And we lived, I grew up in Western Oregon, so it was very timber focused, fishing, farming, all those pieces of the puzzle coming together. And, you know, but then my dad was quite the avid outdoorsman and we spent a lot of time out like collecting wild mushrooms and hunting and, you know, really kind of, he really loved subsistence living, um, you know, exercises. So we spent a lot of time out there in the woods and there was always this inner conflict in me that I couldn't put my finger on that had to do with this whole nuance of like the butterfly effect. Like every little thing we do actually does ripple through the whole system it because does. the system mm-hmm. is actually collaborative, not competitive in nature. Yeah. Nature is collaborative. Yeah. It's symbiotic. Yeah. So I'd love for you to, you know, because I've seen you speak 
And I have always been blown away when you when you do go down this path of explaining the way you look at the world. Because to me, I find it to be very therapeutic. Like it's very peaceful for me to think about the world through your lens, Ray. Like it's a it gives me hope that there's that we can build a system that's holistic and 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 yeah. collaborative by nature. Yeah, I um, thank you for bringing that up, Joni, because I've had to learn the hard way that I was not being a, a, a good observer. I was walking around very numb, thinking, "Why does it matter? Does it?" Uh, uh, it was very mechanicistic. I, I, if you watch our schools and the way we taught, it was very linear, but nature is very non-linear. Joni, you were so blessed to have a parent, parents that had you walked out there. I I, I kind of was on my own, and I started kind of realizing through this series of learning, I'm saying, oh my goodness, this thing's elegant. It's beautiful. It's intertwined. It's interconnected. And you know what's funny, Joni? One of the biggest struggles I have teaching when I go teach across the country with producers, understanding the interconnectedness of how everything's absolutely interconnected and it's elegant and it's and it's collaborative. It does it overall, I tell farmers, look, farmers, you and I were taught competition. Oh, everything's going to steal water. Everything's going to take nutrients from you. And I said, does competition happen? Yes. It, it has to happen. It builds integrity in the system. But overall, she's elegant. She's collaborative. She's Collaboration is more than competition. And so it, it, I've had to go through years and years of retraining myself, Joni. That's what I had to do. I had to – all these wow. agronomy yeah. soil. I, I spend years retraining, and I guess you maybe you might have to do that, or maybe you're very fortunate you did have to do that. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because I think the more linear thinking model is completely um, embedded in our cultural norms. So I think no matter how you grow up, there is a sense of having to kind of stop and pause and reevaluate those thinking patterns through that lens of observation. And I find that soil scientists are an interesting group because. Soil is so microscopic. I mean, what separates dirt from soil and all the biological activity that comes together to make that happen is, is a very microscopic and very focused science. And, but soil scientists generally are a very fascinating group of people. And I did a couple of years, I know just enough soil science to be dangerous. I worked with a guy by the name of Dr. Tom DeLuca at University of Montana, and he's now the Dean of the School of Forestry at Oregon State University, fantastic guy. But it, it's amazing, like the perspective you get about the natural world when you take it down to the ground level and what creates the foundation of life as we know it, which is soil. So it's just a fantastic thing. So for you, you know, after spending all these years of studying soil and biological systems, like when, and you've talked about kind of when that aha moment was, but how has it now shifted the way you do your your discipline as a soil scientist with this new lens of like, you know, bigger picture thinking. Uh, good, Joni. You know what? What I was taught in college, chemistry and physics, that was the approach, chemistry and physics. It was always that approach. If I have a problem, chemistry and physics. If you go to the medical field, how do they approach you when you go to the doctor? Chemical, physical. I either got to cut it, cut yeah. it off, do chemicals, or I got to do chemo. That's the way it approached. I was taught the same thing in the agriculture field. People don't realize that the agriculture field and the medical field are brothers and sisters. 
And and so that's how we approach biological Truly. systems. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and your expertise is in this. And we want to approach the body chemically and physically. I said, no, 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 no. Approaches everything. So when I approach my human body now, or any of the soil ecosystem, in fact, the soil works very similar like the human body. Very similar. And, and there's common principles, Joni, and you touched upon this. Because you said, what about when you go see all these different soils and every you go to every different state, it's different, the climate's different. Yeah, but they all have a common pattern. They are all driven by life and biology. They work the same, believe it or not. Yeah. Now, you have different variances yeah, about how true. much biology. They're, but they, they're all biological systems. And I think what it's yeah. amazing when <laughs> I left college, Joni, I, I, I felt like, okay, the farm, we didn't real, I realized, well, the farm came from the forest and the prairie, and it still has the same processes. But the way I looked at it yeah. after college, well, that's the farm, but uh, it's not like the prairie in the forest. It was insane how we were taught. I was like, yeah, wow. that is so reductionistic that um, that that we actually don't apply the principles that are found in you know wild ecosystems to intentional ecosystems because, like you said, the rule book and the fundamental drivers of the biology is all the same. That's that's an interesting way of looking at it. Uh, and that's what changed me, Joni, because I started realizing I would have farmers come up to me, Joni, and say, Ray, you don't get it. It's too dry here. It's too wet. It's too cold. They, I would hear that all the time. You don't understand. Our soils are yeah. different. And I finally, come up, I finally came up with this response. I said, what? Do you live in Mars? Yeah. <laughs> are you from Mars? Is your farm from Mars? They start laughing. They go, what do you, what do you mean, right? I said, it's life. Biology is the same. So you ask me, what's the lenses that I look? Ecology and biology. Biology, I talk from the from plant and the microbes are life. Without yeah. the microbes, the plant, guess what? We have geology, rock, yeah. sand. We have deserts or Mars, like you said. You know, Without that biology piece, we may as well be Mars. Because that's yep. what drives all of the water cycles, too. So, yep. you know, one of the things that is, um, I feel like a, a missing piece of the puzzle in many conversations about regenerative systems is hydrology and water and the role of the water cycle. And I'm very fascinated and inspired by a lot of the, um, you know, programs that you worked with, with Understanding Ag and with like Los Samas Ranch and with Gabe and Dr. Allen and, and really taking a deeper dive into how by leveraging the power of nature, not working against it, we actually can, we can actually drive it in a direction that can make for more water. And I'm just talking about water specifically here, but it, I, to me, that's a powerful story. And my husband had never heard that story. I had told him a little bit about it, but evidently I didn't do that great of a job or he just kind of snoozed through it. Um, but he got to hear Gabe Brown tell that story and Dr. Alan Williams at Expo West last year or just this last March. And he was like, he was stunned for the rest of the day. He goes, I know you've tried to tell me this story and maybe I didn't listen, but he was like, for the first time ever, I think he saw how powerful this process of regeneration can be that they've been able to successfully bring back life to a system that was essentially dying because of lack of water. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, Joni, I think we forget that the water cycle is biological. 
it's biologically driven. I've actually told it is. A, I, I actually get in front of an audience now. I say, okay, now I, I, I tell them, okay, get in your mind. I say, get rid of every plant. It lets eliminate every plant, every shrub, every vegetation, and strip it from the earth. I said, what do you have? And all of a sudden, they'll ponder, you'll have rock and ice. It'd be dead. Mm -hmm. Life is driven by these plants and microbes. They run the water. They, they're part of the water cycle. They're, they're connected. They are. And I think. And that's a, and I think, that's a wild thought. <laughs> it's a wild yeah. thought. And uh, you know what? But Connie started formulating. You remember the pictures I showed you of, of Alejandro Carrillo's, uh, those pictures of the desert becoming? Yes. Look, Joni, I grew up in an, I grew up in an area where it's very arid. And when I went to Alejandro's ranch and I came back and I'm going, oh my goodness, because I kept looking for hope. Uh, you know, when I drove from Missouri to go to Oklahoma, I mean, to New Mexico to go see my parents and I would just kind of like, you just want to start crying from the moment you get in that vehicle and you start seeing the landscape. Yeah, and I said, I I figure we can fix cropland. I know we can fix irrigated land real quick, but how in the world are we going to fix our debt, uh, our our grasslands that that are now deserts? And then I found out this Alejandro used life cattle, cattle only, and he was yeah. able to restore the water cycle. Yeah, it's using life to create more life, and. Like, to me, that is such a powerful example of really, like, what can happen everywhere um, when we're thinking about, like, the threat of desertification and altered water cycles globally that are, you know, severely impacting agriculture and our ability to survive as humans on this planet. What you and Alejandro and your teams have demonstrated to me is the most powerful example of hope literally on earth today yep and the next and the next it's it's, it's humbling oh it's wonderful and, and the next coming mm -hmm. ground there's going to be another documentary called common ground Joni. it's going to be coming mm -hmm. out next year and alejandro is going to be the movie star on that one he's going to be gabe nice. and i will show up a little bit but they're going to show how boy you talk about hope i tell you i people need hope i've had people come up to me after watch the kiss the ground and go oh my gosh ray they start tears Thank you for giving me hope. Yeah. I thought the planet was going to go down to the toilet. It was going to be over. And I said, no, oh, no, we can fix this and we can heal this very quickly. And so mm -hmm. it's so encouraging to see that it encouraged me because I believed Ellen Savory. I just didn't know how we could carry it out. And now I know how we're going to be able to carry out now. And this is a good kind of point to bring out here, Joni, in front of the audience is that I have told people we are not going to be able to heal the planet without cattle, without livestock, mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. herbivores, it's not going to happen. There's no way to yeah. bring those deserts back without livestock. Sorry, it's not yeah. going to happen. And they're well, I mean, Yeah, you, when you look at the, through an ecosystem lens, however, ruminants, the role of ruminants in an intact ecosystem, especially a savanna type ecosystem, is undeniable from, a, from an yeah. ecology standpoint. Yeah. Um, but people love to really just blame cattle for everything where I really believe it's, you know, CAFOs, sure, let's get really, you know, critical of confined animal feeding units because there's a sure. lot to be critical of there. But cattle in their natural environment, other ruminants in their natural environment, and bringing these systems back together that have been separated through this reductionistic modern model, which is really more of an industrial model, 
that's where the problems arise. When we have, you know, ecosystems working functionally and layered farming systems, it's amazing how much magic can happen. You said that beautifully, Joni. Uh, that was very well said. And it, it, it's that mechanicistic, because I, I used to work with those huge industrial CAFOs and write the nutrient management plans and do that. And I never, I supported that. I believe that. And yeah. now I'm saying, now we need to change that because it's, uh, and mm-hmm. so, but we got to help the farmer and rancher change that way. But see, people blame the farmer and rancher. And I said, no, 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 no. Yeah. We as a society chose that pattern way back. We were having to feed huge amounts of people. It had yep. to be very, very efficient. And the system in the United States, I'll, I'll be honest, it's incredibly efficient, but it's incredibly destructive mm-hmm. And because it treats nature like a machine. And now can we transition to a better model where we infuse more ecology? Absolutely. And that's what we're shooting for because, and I think one thing we need to mention, uh, Joni, real quickly is that I, I, I hear, I have a lot of people come up to me and say, but Ray, we got to cut the chemicals and they become like uh, chemicals are horrible. And I said, now careful. I said, be very careful what you're asking for. Please understand that when you work with soils and farmers that are, have been addicted to chemicals, you don't cut somebody off an addiction right away. You'll kill the farm and ranch. Right. It's a right. it's a gradual thing. I said when I get remember the soils are bacteria dominant. They're they're used to all these inputs. Now I have to work with them slowly. And I always use the analogy of my father in law who died at sixty one years old, chronic smoker, functional alcoholic, and he quit right away. Killed him. The, yeah. You don't do that. You have no, to work gradually. No. And that's what people don't understand when you're working with systems, Joni. And I think a lot of the audience think that we're going to be able to do this right away. Or like when they said, we're all going to go to electric cars. No, 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 no. Gradual. Mm-hmm. Phase. Yeah. You, you can, when people make those kind of statements, it's, they don't understand systems thinking. You don't do that right No, they, they don't. And I, it's funny. My mom always has said this to me my whole life because I tend to be kind of like let's go do it charge and she goes honey evolution will always work better than revolution because it works with the system that's in charge you know and I thought that was interesting coming from my mom like but now that I'm older and you know nearing 50 I'm like oh my gosh mom is totally right like because it's a long-lasting change rather than like a, a disruption that upsets the balance which sometimes you know can be helpful for something but then again it often creates chaos and it's not like lasting change where we with this we need lasting change and you know again correlating the brother the brother sister combination of like agriculture and healthcare because you know coming from healthcare I have seen people die of um, like the DTs and withdrawal from drugs and alcohol in the ICU setting and I agree that there is a huge parallel there where we know that that is a dangerous process. And I see that same thing in very chemically addicted systems in um, ecosystems and farming and, and whatnot. We can't just pull the plug and expect it to heal itself. It's going to be an intentional process. And that's why I'm so excited about this concept of regenerative by design. It's like, how do we start laying this foundation down? That's like a design process. It's a thinking process. It's a systems process where 
we create infrastructure that will then cultivate the concept of regeneration moving forward. So then it becomes self-perpetuating. Um, so I'd love you to, you know, just kind of wrap on that a little bit, um, you know, as we move forward. Jonah, you know what finally first hap- has to happen to everybody? They have to have a complete mind shift, a whole paradigm shift. And that's mm-hmm. what happened to me. And and sometimes you have to go through these disruptions, like you use that word. Uh, sometimes we need disruptions. Uh, yeah. I love I like these holy disruptions. Sometimes you have to hit your inner being and realize through failure mm-hmm. that you you've got you've got to have that first. You got to have a different mm-hmm. mind shift. Wake and, up and call. Part of my, you got to have that wake up call, and I, and I got yeah. it. And regenerative—that's why when my first part of my definition of regenerative agriculture is like this: regenerative agriculture is a journey for life. It's a shift of the mind and heart, and how to emulate the intelligent design. It, 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 you got to change. Every, it's a complete shift. It's a shift, yeah. And the way you think, and I had to go through that. That's number one. Yeah, heart and mind. Yep. Heart and mind. And 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 what makes regenerative farmers different from the others? Believe it or not, a lot of them came to this conclusion. They were looking for hope. They the system was mm-hmm. failing. It wasn't working. Like if you listen to Gabe four times, he almost lost the farm. Uh, yeah. Many conditions. Me, I was getting depressed. I said we weren't fixing anything. Sometimes you have to experience the valley before you can get to mm-hmm. the mountaintop. So it, yeah, it, that's where the, the spiritual, that's where you come with the spiritual connection. That's why I, I told Joni, I don't separate the spiritual plane from the physical mm-hmm. plane. And I think what our schools have done is, oh, you can't, you can't interconnect it. And the Native Americans understood. And that's why quantum physics is so cool. Because quantum physics mm-hmm. is saying, oh, no, this metaphysical plane is real. It's, yeah, and, and right. that's, that's it's, it's real. And that's why. Uh, learning how to communicate with people and how to uh, talk to them and how to reach them. If you notice, Joni, one more thing I'll say is when I approach a group, I always want to know them. And I address this number one thing. Why should I listen to you? Why should they listen to me? And if you don't address that in that whole talk, you're not going to connect. And another mm-hmm. thing is I connect, to, I connect to them as a person. I mm-hmm. connect with them emotionally. Uh, physically and spiritually, all the connection happens very quickly and people don't aware of it. So I do all that at one time. And so yeah. that's why I'm able to to walk people down this direction and show them the power of life. So first it's like I connect with them. Why should they listen to me? And then I leave them with the end goal. It's not about cover crops. It's not about tools. It's about mimicking the natural system, emulating it, design. Yes. And then yeah. And I, 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 that's a deprogramming process, really. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, I have to thank you, Ray, because like last year I was speaking to a group of people about, you know, what is regenerative, like very entry level 101. And I, I I know I reached out to you a number of times and I saw you speak in the middle of this whole process. And I'm like, how do we break it down to a way where people can approach it and feel like it's tangible and not too overwhelming? And with that, that whole concept of emulating nature being really at the center of it and biology being at the center of it. And that's when I came up with those three B's of regenerative and they probably have a long ways to go as far as refinement and whatever. But it's that concept of biomimicry, biologicals and biodiversity are those three levers that contribute to a fully functioning regenerative system. Yeah. And yep. 
the tools actually are used in all three quadrants. The practices are all three quadrants. But really, at the end of the day, it's like that team, those three Bs working together that um, make us work with nature to optimize nature and optimize natural yeah. systems to help achieve our goals rather than taking the bio part out where we yeah. remove biology and then we replace it with, like you said, chem- chemistry and physics and force to force what we need out of nature. It's two very different operating systems. And it was fundamental listening to your talk last fall at the Spokane Conservation District um, you know, event, because I, it just totally oh, blew you, me away. Oh, yeah, it totally and, blew me away. It was a good one. And you, and you know what, Joni, what I don't like also, too, that we're, I think we're clouding the issue is with carbon. Mm-hmm. carbon the carbon tunnel I, vision I, can be really dangerous. Yeah, it's dangerous. I mean, carbon's important because it's biology. I mean, carbon is biology. But it's, now that we're putting money on it and we're making it, like, I think, like, there can be value to monetization of certain practices that help farmers, right? But if we have carbon tunnel vision, we're missing the point. I think you said the key word, biodiversity. Uh, I think mm-hmm. if we, I think that's why I love green payment or biodiversity payment. Here's the thing. If we get the biology right, the carbon will get sequestered. It'll be taken care of. But the moment we focus on carbon, and here's my problem as a soil scientist, I'd say, okay, most people don't realize carbon is in three phases, solid, yeah. organic matter, a leaking root, liquid, and then microbes and, and plants respiring CO2 gases, and it's in the gas phase. And you're in the gas yeah. phase. And so we're going to pay farmers for something yeah. that changes like that? Reg- no. I, I, I think it leads down a path of confusion, and it doesn't address the fact that we have a disrupted water cycle. And we have a disrupted mm-hmm. biodiversity system. So if totally. we address biodiversity, green payments and having plants, then we fix the water cycle. We fix the insects. We fix uh, covering yes. the soil. We've addressed yeah. all those. But the moment you focus on CO2, uh-uh, that's, it, it brings confusion. Well, the other thing, too, is that nowhere in the carbon narrative is there an impact on nutrient integrity of the end products of the food. So you know, look at your study with Dr. David Montgomery, where you're looking at the omega-3 fatty acid levels in beef that comes from regenerative grass-fed systems. It actually looks like a different ingredient under nutrient evaluation. And in nowhere would carbon dynamics explain that. No. And and a lot of times too, Joni, to be brutally honest, a lot of farmers don't understand carbon. What do you mean? And barely do any of the rest of us. Okay, so it's a it's a solid, it's a gas, it's a liquid, it's it's an energy flow. It goes through the whole system. That's awesome. But yeah, it's a it's like an energy currency. <laughs> you get, exactly. It's like a why currency. don't we just keep it? Exactly. It's like an. So why don't we just focus on something that people can see and it's easy to measure mm-hmm. and you can you can fly over an airplane and go boom. Oh, it's green. Let's make let's just make it green again. Let's just. Yeah. Just what there's my term I said, just cover it. <laughs> just cover yeah, the land. Yeah. Green plant. It's that it's, simple. Yeah, keeping things green. Um it's it is that simple and it, it pains me every time I drive through area that's just miles and miles and miles of bare open land, you know, with a good wind blowing through and you just see you just watch the topsoil blowing away and and then you think, well, it's summertime. Why isn't this green? Like, why isn't there something on the dirt? Um, and that the action alone, I mean, that's, 
Yeah, in the winter too, like classic conservation agriculture. But, you know, it, these are very, very basic principles. But I've always thought, you know, I lived in Alaska for a long time. And it's the only place really on earth other than the desert that I've seen primary succession naturally happen. So you have these huge gla- glacial areas and you're right wow. there. Primary succession, you know, major deserts. It's like a primary succession, but not going the right direction. And, um, and I'm like, okay, but then you go where it's recently been plowed. And then sprayed. It's like a primary succession event again and again and again every year. And nature is not designed to have annual primary succession events. Like, it's just not. Like, it's, um, those are very disruptive, um, you know, kind of terrifying processes, really, from a biological standpoint. You know, you're like rebuilding all the structures from the ground up. So, you know, I just feel like there's so much that we can learn from nature and that to change the paradigm of all these fantastic thousands of scientists we have around the planet, if we can just get that lens of working with nature, imagine the, what we could harness, you know, with the farmers, scientists, people who are innovators and creative about these systems. Imagine the power we could harness to really change the trajectory of our planet if we just applied the right lens. Wow. I, I, and I love that, Joni. In fact, it's like eating bad food. I tell people, look, your body can handle an acute stress. Sometimes you, you just have to eat, and that's all there's there. Yeah. But it can't handle chronic, and it can't handle those chronic mm-hmm. disruptions you're talking about. And so we right. need that healing process. And so I think, I think that I have never had so much excitement in my life now because now I have hope. I think that we're getting – the biology, the ecology is coming to the forefront. And I think people are saying it's, mm-hmm. it's in magazines. It's, it's spreading everywhere. If you would have, if you would have done this 15 years ago, you would have said, typed the word soil health or biology, soil biology. It's like you would have gone a scant number. Now there's billions of hits yeah. on, 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 oh, the, yeah. on the web, thousands of YouTube channels, uh, 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 uh videos on biology and, it's exciting yeah. to me. I, I'm it's telling what you. We need. Even, yeah. It's an awakening. And, and it's an awakening. <laughs> I love it. And only and it's an awakening, but I, I love it. Like one of my favorite spiritual uh, uh, persons is uh, Brueggemann and Dr. Timothy Keller. We're going to create a holy disruption. We are going to create a movement that brings not only healing. And I, and I coined the phrase from Dr. Keller is a, is a, uh, is a um, as a pastor in New York, he says that there's something beautiful going on now. And, and what it is, is man healing to the ecology. Man is a relationship to man to man and, and the relationship of God to man. These three beautiful things are happening now, Joni, now. Yeah. And I, be- and I believe that. And that's what's been driving me is that mm-hmm. I believe that that those three things are being healed now, man to the ecology, yeah. man to man, and man to God. Yeah, it's this massive cultural shift that is happening right now. And it's, you know, I feel like once you kind of step out of this constant chatter that's negative and kind of reinforcing negativity, you actually start to see that there is this awakening of these connections being made. And as much as everybody loves to gripe about the great resignation, and people don't want to work anymore, and they're just lazy. I'm like, well, actually, wait a minute. Wonder if you really stand back and go, they just don't believe. They don't believe in it. It's not that they don't want to work. It's they don't want to work without purpose. 
and purpose actually means more than money to them. That's a fundamental shift in philosophy that is deeply indicative of a shift in in like the entire system of the value system of the world. And I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> no, I think it's wonderful, Joni. Look, I'm a I'm a baby boomer. I'm a tail end of the baby boomer. My daughters, I got two 33s and a 30. And I had to move my little millennial daughter. And she's one day, she joined the military. She was lieutenant, got a health problem. She quit. And then she got a really good job with Boeing in LA. And I just paid money to move her over there. And I'm telling you, one day she calls me, she says, Dad, I can't do this anymore. I said, what, baby? Because I, I don't want to be, I want a job with purpose. Exactly what you said, Joni. I want to be able to serve. It's not about the money. I want to be, I want to have something that's tangible, that has purpose. And now she's starting to be a nurse. And now she's going to be a nurse. She's going to eventually be a, a physician assistant. But it, it ties in beautifully what you're saying, Joni. People want a job with purpose. This generation, mm-hmm. they, you know, they're, they're, they're fed up. They're saying, hey, this is baloney. Yeah. You mean you work? Look, our generation, and I'm just speaking for myself, it's materialism, more, more, accumulate, work, 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 work. And for what? And, and then, yeah. but I see my daughter saying, no, dad, I want to make a difference. And that's why millennials read labels. 70% of them read labels. They're saying, I don't, yeah. want, I don't want this stuff. I'm excited. Yeah, I think it's a good shift. And I mean, with everything, there's like a good and a bad. I mean, there's always that tension point anytime there's change. But, you know, if we can shift as a culture, you know, not only in our regions and our nations, but globally, where we shift this perspective to purpose and um, having the things we need to survive rather than this constant dog chasing the tail because they want more and more and more but there's really no reason why you're chasing the tail that creates a lot of very unhappy, unfulfilled people, even if they have everything in the world that you think you ever wanted. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're, you're right, Joni. So, and that's, that's why I'm working on a project called, uh, uh, recently I asked for funding and we got funding from a, a donor for his kindness. But one of the projects I'm working is being able to spread regenerative agriculture to the churches. And um, we, yeah, just, fantastic. We, we just completed a, a little 12 minute trailer and it's already won several awards. And once it's get done, we'll be able to share it, Joni. But what we want is to be shown in churches. How can we how can professing Christians or uh, uh, people of other faiths let's get engaged in healing the planet now? Yes. And, and do yes. We, and, Thank you. Yeah, and, and that's the, amazing. And the and the and the first one we done is called Dominion, and it's based on the scripture in Genesis where uh, God says, "I'm going to give you dominion over the earth." But people have taken that as like, "Hey, I'm the boss. I can do whatever, and I can trash it. I can force it. Like, I'm the boss. I'm special. I made in God's image." And is and and the reality is that scripture has been misunderstood. It it actually tells you. Come and be a servant and love the earth. Be be like Christ's image of how he served. Not come and force it and control it and manipulate it and, and destroy it. Mm-hmm. That's not what that narrative was talking about. So we did we created a 12-minute trailer for that. And another one we're going to create that we're going to call is called uh, maybe the end times. Another doctrine that Christians, well, they said, well, God's coming back. He's going to make a new earth. We can just go, and they're not saying this, but this is what's happening. 
We can ignore our neighbor. Yeah. We can ignore our society. We can ignore the planet. It's going to be being you. And that's not that's not scriptural. And so we're trying to create a new narrative for that because, uh, believe it or not, the Christianity is going to grow in South America and Africa up to three billion by 2050. Wow! Wow! And and we want and we want to teach people the correct aspect of looking at these, so that uh, especially his thought processes, mm-hmm. to, so that we don't perpetuate a destruction of the planet because of our own. I love the way you said it, Joni. Lenses, our filters. Yeah, the lens. So yeah. that's that's a project yep. I'm working on right now. That is fantastic because I've often thought, like, how can we leverage faith-based groups and communities to get behind this movement? Because I mean, if anyone's ever been to a church potluck, whether it's it doesn't matter what faith it is, like, there's always food because food is. Is like how we commune with nature. It's an essential touch point between our human system and our natural system. Water and food and air. That's how we commune with nature. And um, and it's also the foundation of community yeah. is through you know sharing the food and how can we leverage faith based communities to spread this word to people who wouldn't normally be involved in food and agriculture. Like that's an incredible, incredible outreach program. And I let me know what I can do to help because that is fantastic. Uh, I will, Joni, because I get so excited about this because I think this is the future. And and so if we just talk to farmers, this is not enough. We need to talk to our schools, yeah. our high schools, yeah. our, our churches. We need a big push. And it's now. Yes, we do. And it's not just about mm-hmm. healing the planet, but healing our, our communities, healing our... And that's why I love yeah. the... There's a term by Dr. Brueggemann. It's called uh, a prophetic. We're we're trying to create a prophetic meaning, a visionary, something that is coming to play, something that is a positive narrative, not a doomsday prophecy, but a prophecy of hope and love, and then we can heal that. And yeah, that, and that's what we're that's what we're doing in the in our um, our communities. I'm excited well, about it. Because this message brings people together across vast divides, like from political to religious and everything in between. The message of what, what the hope of regenerative, you know, I guess philosophy, for lack of a better term, it's something that's deeply, deeply resonating with people of all walks of life. In fact, I was at a event last night and talking to a Republican um, public office holder, um, who's very, very staunch conservative. And we had the most amazing talk about regenerative agriculture and why Idaho needs to really get behind it. And he was just so enthusiastic. And I love those conversations that like, it, it just like, and then yesterday I had some, somebody who was on a democratic committee, same kind of conversation, same kind of zeal. And I'm like, finally, at last, we have something that everybody can agree on yep. that needs to happen. Like, there is magic there because that is just fantastic. So I, you know, Ray, I am always inspired by every time I hear you speak, whether it's on a movie or (laughs) at a lecture or just on the phone, like it's just always so amazing. And I feel like conversations like this help preserve that hope and that, that thinking and that education that we can share with people so that someday we can, you know, this movement can really radically transform the world for the, for the good and for the better. So oh, I'm excited, Joni. 
Joni, you uh, you don't yeah. know, you don't know how much it's I appreciate I, 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 you don't know how much I appreciate you having me come and speak with you. Um, I, I'm well, very you. I'm I'm humbled. I'm and and uh, I told my wife, look, I love being on the ranch, and I never talked about to the group. I'm also a rancher. I I raise sheep. Mm -hmm. I live in, I have a small ranch in in Missouri. And if it was to my selfish self, Joni, I'll be honest, I could just stay home, watch sheep graze and, and yeah. graze and watch and just spend time with my wife. But the reality is, I think you and the rest of us feel, no, our planet needs us. Our communities need us. And I was one time it's told- It's a calling. It's a calling. It is my calling. And it's and it, to, to me not to fulfill my calling before God, I would just be horribly feel terrible. I, I just couldn't do it. And that's why I, I spend the hours and the miles flying. And, and because once I get there and I leave my uh, house and go there, and then I meet these group of people that are so impassioned that, and that the knowledge, the framework that they was, the information was displayed to them and they get it. It's exciting. It just gives me hope. It is. And, yeah. And it makes you, it makes you numb to this doom and gloom feeling out there where the media is trying to convince us that the world's coming to an end. And then you're like, well, wait a minute. I just had the most fantastic talk with my friend Ray and I, we can do this. Like, I'm not going to buy into that narrative. Like there's millions of people around the world that want purpose and want to invest to where our grandchildren and great grandchildren and will have an awesome, you know, world to live in with resources and harmony and, a, you know, a planet that's habitable. So I just, every time I talk to you and, and all these folks in regenerative, it's, it's a truly humbling uh, movement to be a part of. So thanks so much for your dedication, Ray. You're welcome. Awesome. And you, Joni. And, yeah. and, and all of you that, yeah, thanks. let's be part of it. And so how, and people are going to say, well, what can we do? Right, Joni? What yeah. can the average person do? Yeah. So what can they do? Yeah. And so I, I tell people, first thing is, is start educating yourself. Start being informed. Where you buy your food, it does matter. Go look for a regenerative it farmer. It does matter where you buy your food. And mm -hmm. plant a garden. Get your kids to touch the mm -hmm. soil. Let them be engaged. Yeah. You be engaged. Even so, a planter box. Yes. Dude, it, 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 even if it's a little pot, it, you got skin in the game. Yes. I, I, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's a small garden. If you farm fifty acres, you farm one. You farm a little pot. I don't care. Get touch the soil. Be involved. Be involved with the natural system and and eat accordingly. You know, start start taking care of your most precious thing is your body. And and yeah. you, Joni, deal with this yeah. all the time. Look, Joni, if I'm not in good health, I can't continue doing this mission. And and so I've started no. becoming. And all of us have are starting to become more focused about that. Take care of your body because you only get one of them. Yeah. And so yeah, I it's so true. And come to a, yeah, and it's come, an investment. An investment. <laughs> come to a school and people say, well, I have a friend that's losing weight now. And he's, he's first time he called me, he says, Ray, I'm down to 197 for the first time in my life. And he's so excited. And I said, now, Steve, now you've got to buy quality. And I know you don't want to spend the money because he's like, I don't, I, you know, I said, no, you eat less, but better quality food. And, and quality over quantity. Right. And mm -hmm. people would say, well, that's nice, Ray, but regenerative agriculture is for rich people and not for the people that are, are poor. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, all of disagree. You, I disagree. I said, grow a garden. You'll, go, you'll have a cell phone. You'll pay for 
satellite TV, but you can go buy a couple of seeds and and plant it on on, yeah. on the side of the <laughs> side of your house. Come on, you you can. We can do all yeah. kinds of things. So it's just kind of an excuse. And community gardens. I mean, there's like fantastic community gardens in urban areas where people don't have access to land and. And and that's that wake up that's happening. I see it everywhere, like yep. popping up around, you know, the country where people want that tangible connection. They want to feel like they're involved in, in bringing forth life, you know, watching a seed sprout. That's a, that's a fundamental thing, even for kids to watch where they're like, wow, that's where food comes from. I put that seed in the ground and it sprouted. So, you know, we're sprouting a movement and it's, and it's really going to take shape and it, it is an exciting thing to be a part of. So I agree as far as action items, and we hear that a lot on this show, get involved with where your food came from, learn how to cook, learn how to grow it, yeah. talk to your farmers. Um, it's all foundational. And and actually, what I've noticed is that people who live that way, they don't always spend more on their food. Um, no. I mean, I don't spend very much on my food at all. We're on a very limited budget. But we are really judicious in what we prioritize our purchasing to be. And I think it just contributes to better mindset, better health, physical and mental health, both. And I've noticed that, you know, there is that connection that you can't you can't separate the mental health from the physical health from the food. And it, it just we could have a whole session just on that, Ray. But I know it's we're at the top of the hour. So for our listeners who want to take this a level deeper where do they find you? How do they learn more about you? Where would you send them, uh, like in the World Wide Web? Here's what we're going to do. Um, my website's going to come up. It's going to be called Ray the Soil Guy, LLC. Mm-hmm. It'll be up by January. And we're working on that. Um, if people want mm-hmm. to go, um, I'm also co-founder of Soil Health Academy. If people want to go to a school, mm-hmm. Soil Health Academy, go take a, a, a three-day school. Soil Health Academy is a great place to go. Um, it is. Yeah, it's a great school. It's three days, and you get to be with some of the best experts in the world about understanding regenerative agriculture. Um, uh, so my website will be up. Um, also, too, I will be hosting people on my farm. Like, if they want to spend a whole day with me, uh, they can kind of reserve a day. Cool. And they can come to my sheep farm, but I also can teach them uh, levels of uh soil ecology and those kind of things so we're going to have that up by january so that'll be good another thing Amazing. too another thing too Joni, i want to put a plug in for is continue to watch go watch that documentary kiss the ground and, and oh it's fantastic yeah and share it with people and and share that and yes. there's another one i really was impressed with it's called fantastic fungi that fantastic fungi yeah i love that that's that a is, great one too. that was a very good one there's a, and then the other documentary that I think is a really good one, uh, The Big Little Farm. I think you've seen that one too, Joni. Yeah. And they can, uh, what I love about that is people can understand the struggle of farmers and ranchers. And I kind of want to leave people with this thought about, I think sometimes we think that farming and ranching is one of the least or the most uh, sophisticated career on the planet. But I will tell you, I get kind of frustrated when I hear farmers say, I'm just a farmer. I'm just a rancher. I hate to right. hear that. I said, get just out of there. <laughs> oh, I hate that. I said, do you know you have the most difficult job on the planet? You're dealing with a, an elegant ecosystem that changes every minute, every moment. And your skill set, you have to be an engineer. You have to be a machinist. You have to be a welder. 
You have to be a tire changer. You have to be a CPA. Businessman. You have to be a businessman. <laughs> I said, really? Yeah, it's and amazing. You're and you're telling me, oh, oh, by the way, you got to be an agronomist and a nutrient specialist. Oh, by the way, a livestock specialist. Oh, by the way, on your spare time, be a vet. And I said, yeah. And you're telling me it is, I'm just a farmer? Really? Yeah. I said, yeah. <laughs> give me a I break. love that. Call them out. Yes. Yeah. I said, no. You you got the most difficult profession. Flying to the moon is easy. Try feeding the world. On that note, I have to say that is the best closing sentence we've ever closed on. <laughs> yeah. Flying to the moon versus feeding the world. And yeah, it's, hey, Elon, one of these days he's going to call me and be like, what can we do to help the regenerative movement? Because technology is not going to fix this. No. Biology is. So um, Elon, if you're out there listening, give me a call. <laughs> and on that note, um, we will let um, our audience know um, in the show notes where to find you and learn more. Ray, this has been fantastic. And for those of you who are listening, please take a moment to rate this uh, podcast, share with your friends, share on social so that way we can carry this message and this awesome story about what Ray is doing in regenerative systems with others. So we can't do it without support from our listeners. So on that note, um, thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you're walking away inspired and feeling hopeful. <laughs> Bye now. Thank you, Joni. Thank you for joining us on the Regenerative by Design podcast. If you would like to learn more about the principles of regenerative food systems and agriculture, please see the show notes for links to education, a glossary, and guest information. This podcast was brought to you by Snacktivist Inc., a leader in the regenerative food industry. We create delicious foods from regenerative ingredients that are soil-focused, minimize water use, and maximize carbon sequestration, all while radically impacting human nutrition. Learn more about our work at snacktivistfoods.com.